online. Great privilege to be able to sing truth together in praise of God. A great privilege to come under God's word, to hear it read, to hear it preached on and to pray together. So I hope there's a sense of anticipation in us as we come together. There is a a saying, isn't there? Start as you mean to go on. And in many ways that's what we want to do with our first song. Our first song this evening is To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Shall we sing then to the praise of God together?
Well, shall we unite together in a time of prayer? Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we do pray for humble and honest and uh, worshipping hearts as we come together in our time of prayer. Help us unite together with a sense of oneness in the things that we pray over. We pray that we may worship and pray in spirit and in truth. And we do come thankful for the gospel. We have sung to God be the glory, great things he has done. And we're especially thinking of Jesus coming into the world. And we thank you that the vilest offender who truly believes receives pardon from a gracious God And we love that gospel. It is the gospel that has reached us. It's the gospel that you have opened our hearts to. We have been welcomed back by the Father. Lord, we thank you that Jesus bore our sins, carrying them to the cross. We thank you for the immense love in his heart. We thank you for the way in which our lives have been changed by his wonderful grace, amazing grace. And so we give thanks for the gospel. Lord, we also give thanks for many of the events of life. There are many things in our lives which we are thankful for and which we praise you for. There are many things in the lives of others. We do rejoice with those who rejoice. We're thankful for the way in which you have given a Josh and Jade Uh, a baby girl this week for the arrival of Esther. We thank you for answered prayer, for for joy and thanksgiving and we pray for your blessing on that little family. See, in these early days we pray for health for um, the child and for the mother. We thank you, Lord, for them being out this morning. We praise you for your kindness. Lord, we give thanks too for uh, the engagement of Dave Kinderman and Laura, your goodness to them. We pray for them at this happy time. ask that you would guide them in the thoughts and decisions about the future, that you would uh, draw uh, them together in growing love, and that your blessing would be on them and other engaged couples that we know of and that worship here. Bless them through this time, we ask. And Lord, we also rejoice as we did in a hymn this morning with Peter and Iris, uh, 60 years of marriage together, uh, many uh, things on that journey of experiences and ups and downs, but a knowledge of your grace and faithfulness through that time. We praise you for this landmark for them and ask that they may have a special joy and sense of thanksgiving this Thursday on that occasion. So we do rejoice with those that rejoice and Lord you know that we also weep in our hearts for those that weep and we have different ones amongst us who have heartache, who have troubles, who have difficulties, who have disappointments on different fronts and Lord we pray for them too that they may know you as the God who goes with them through their troubles the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies. 
that as you say wonderfully, graciously, that in all their afflictions you were afflicted. May they feel a sense of your companionship in sometimes bewildering uh, or taxing or or heart-rending circumstances. We think of the way in which the Holy Spirit himself is called the Comforter and we pray that they may know a strong sense even through difficult days and dark days of the Holy Spirit coming alongside giving strength, giving direction, giving help. So we commit to you one another in the joys and in the sorrows of life. We pray for the work of the Spirit in our lives. We pray, Lord, for his convicting work, that we may be searched and where things are needing confession and praying over, that, Lord, we might be um, directed to that, to find great comfort in the Gospel, but uh, a fresh sense of spiritual zeal for holiness. We pray that the Holy Spirit may give us unity. He may open our eyes to truth. He may give us strength. He may point us to Jesus. He may help us to grow in fruitfulness. He may equip us for the works that we are called to. Lord, we do want to be a spirit-filled church in every biblical sense of that word. Grant us to be spiritually minded and to be increasingly transformed to the likeness of your Son. Lord, we come to you at times where there are tensions in the world and we particularly pray about the tensions in uh, Russia and over Ukraine. Uh, These things concern us. We don't understand all the different levels of uh, of what's going on. But uh, we pray for peace and we pray for wisdom. We pray for restraint. Uh, We pray that the the leaders of nations and groups of nations will act very wisely. We pray that we may be, uh, that there may be a prevention of an escalation of of damage and and, um, conflict. Lord, do grant wisdom to the leaders of this world in their different responsibilities, we pray. Lord, we thank you for the church here. We have many blessings in the life of this church. We have a body of believers with different gifts and uh, different experiences and abilities and we work together in our different ways for your glory. Help us to do that with, um, with unity, with love, with effectiveness. We thank you for many encouragements. We think of this morning and those who are here We think of the different groups in the life of the church, the different ministries, the different age groups and many of them have very encouraging aspects at the minute and we praise you for that. We pray for strength and help for those involved with those different ministries. We pray for the um, outreach work um, by St Richard's which is supported by people here, Connect Work at Alderbrook and we pray for that to go well as they hope to uh, have a meeting Um, an event this Monday Lord we pray that it may be an avenue of Christian love and service and gospel light to uh, the young people that go to 
that time. We ask that you might be with us as a church as we have our quarterly meeting this week. We pray that we might be guided in all our concerns over the life of this church, that we might be directed by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we may do things which are pleasing to him, a blessing to people here and for the advance of the gospel. Lord, we come to you asking for help in our prayer life. We thank you to be beginning uh, this evening a series on uh, some of the prayers in the Bible. And as we think of that whole area of life, which probably all of us feel is an area we need to grow in understanding, uh, an, an area where we feel we need the help of God to be uh, more effective in prayer, Uh, in our specific times and in everyday life. We pray, Lord, for your help for us in that wonderful privilege of praying to you in our lives. And we say, like the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. So be with us in our time this evening, especially help Mark later on as he opens your word to us We ask that it may be to our good and to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, our second song is uh, the song, The Lord's My Shepherd. We're going to be hearing of a lady in the Bible who trusted God uh, despite her difficulties and that's reflected in this wonderful song that we're going to sing based on Psalm 23. And then after uh, the song, Peter Turner is going to come up and do our Bible reading for us. So the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul.
Well, our reading this evening is from the first book of Samuel and the first chapter. So, chapter 1 of 1 Samuel. There was a certain man of Raphamin Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zaph, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favour in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. 
but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him, only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my, my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. And so reads God's word. Well, before uh, Mark comes up and opens God's word, part of the passage we've read and a bit into the next chapter, we're going to uh, sing together uh, two short songs. Um, The first is Ascribe Greatness to Our God, the Rock. You'll hear from the reading that uh, that is Hannah's view of the Lord as her rock. So we're going to sing this one through twice. Ascribe Greatness to Our God, the Rock, and then stay standing for the singing which praises Jesus for his majesty. So let's stand for these songs.
Well, good evening, everyone. Very warm welcome to you and a welcome to those online as well. Many of you, or a few of you anyway, at least know this already. Uh, but yesterday evening at seven minutes past 11, for the first time I became an uncle. And it's exciting. And uh, my brother and his wife have had a little girl called Esme. And uh, they're not local, so we won't get to see them as much as we'd like. But, um, but it's a miracle. The last time they came down, there were two of them. And next time they come down, God willing, there'll be three. And um, it's just amazing, isn't it, that there's this new life there. And those of you who have got children or those of you who have got brothers and sisters that are younger than you or have got nephews and nieces already, you'll know that it's a miracle, isn't it? You have this life. And it's something that we are grateful to to God for. Um, It's a wonderful gift. It's a blessing from God. And we are thankful for her. But for some couples, having children uh, is something they would love, but it remains just a dream. They'd love to have children, but they can't. And my brother has friends in that situation. People would love children, but they can't. And it's been tough for them, seeing them and seeing others be pregnant, have children. It's tough for them watching on. And it's not something people tend to talk publicly about, is it? You don't often hear it in the street or in conversations. Uh, It's not something that some of us think about particularly often. But for many, it can be a very painful and a very sad experience. And I'm sure there's a, a good number of you here this evening who have either experienced it or are experiencing it yourselves, or who know good friends or good family members that you've walked through it with and you've sort of felt their pain. And if you have experienced it yourself or you've walked through it with a close friend or family member, you'll be able to relate to Hannah's anguish tonight in a way that maybe some of the rest of us won't be able to. You may be able to to feel her pain better and maybe you'll be even more moved by the story even if you've read it many times before. For others of us, it might seem quite a distant story. Maybe for some of you YPs in the gallery, it seems quite a distant thing. You've got an infertile woman 3,000 years ago in a culture that's completely different to 2022 in the UK. And and, and this story may not seem that relevant to you. When I I did uh, training with UCCF, uh, worked with... Uh, students and uh, Christians at uni. Uh, we used to get given free books. We'd just get a free pile of books every now and again. It was great. Um, and I remember one time I got given this pile of books, and one of the books was called this. Just the two of us, question mark, help and strength in the struggle to conceive. Well, it looked helpful. It looked a good book. But it wasn't particularly relevant to me at uni. And so I contacted my pastor And I said, look, could you make this a use to anyone in the the church? And he said he could. So I took it along on a Sunday and I handed it over to him. And I guess he probably handed it on to the couple that he had in mind. And I never read the book. It wasn't relevant to me. But I, I hope that this couple were able to read it and find it helpful. But sometimes we can be a bit like that with stories in the Bible. 
we kind of we read about them and think, well, it's it's not really my sort of story. This isn't really relevant for me. I can understand how it's helpful for others, but for me, not so much. And so we metaphorically, as it were, hand it over to other people and say, this is for you, and I'll sort of take a back seat on this one. But I don't want us to do that tonight, whoever you are, for two reasons. And, and the first is simply because God has given us his word to all of us so that all of us learn from it. And actually, sometimes we learn the most from people in very different situations who are very different to us. So that's the first. God's given us this to learn. But the second thing is that this message tonight and Hannah's prayer isn't, isn't really just about Hannah and her desire to have children. It's really about God. And it's about how God's plans come together. And, and that is something good and that is something relevant for every single one of us here. In the uh, next few weeks, God willing, I'm down to speak a few times. And as John mentioned, uh, I wanted to have a a mini-series that was helpful. And I've settled on uh, a mini-series on prayer. I want us to look at different people in the Bible and think about why they prayed. What were the circumstances around their prayer? What made them come to God in prayer? Was there something that drove them to God in prayer? What was their attitude as they prayed? What can we learn from that? Fairly obviously, what did they say? That's quite important that we look at that. What was their greatest desire? What's the sort of the the punch behind the prayer, as it were? And what do we learn about God through their prayers and also through their lives and the circumstances? And what is my hope as we uh, look at these prayers? Well, it's not that we have perfectly executed prayers on a Thursday night at the prayer meeting. Though it would be lovely if it does enrich our prayers. But really my, my hope is that as we see people's lives, we'll get to know more of what God is like and we'll see more of how God deals with us and how God brings his amazing plans to fruition. So that's my hope and my prayer for this uh, mini-series as we get stuck into it. So let's get stuck into Hannah's life and let's see why she prays. Well, Hannah's situation, as we had read to us, uh, is a recipe for conflict. And I apologise for how I pronounce different names. Um, I'm sure people do it differently, so uh, forgive me if I get it completely wrong. But you have Elkanah, the husband. Uh, Then you have Hannah, the wife whom Elkanah loves to bits. But she can't have children, even though she would really love to have children. And then you have Penina, who is not loved as much by Elkanah, but she has many children. So you can see it's just a, it's a recipe for, for conflict. And it's especially tough for Hannah, because in that culture, that was kind of the main responsibility of wives, was to bear children. And so... She is devastated that her main responsibility she cannot do. And it would have been very obvious. It's not the sort of thing that she could hide. It would have been very evident that she wanted children and that she didn't have any. And it also would have been very apparent that it it was Hannah's fault, as it were, because Penina had given Elkanah lots of children. So everyone would have known that, that Hannah was the one to blame and, and that would have been embarrassing for her. This is what it says in 
verse 3, I'm reading verses 3 to 6. Now this man, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. Look at how Peninnah is described. She's described as Hannah's rival. Peninnah provokes Hannah grievously to irritate her. A strong language, isn't it? Provokes her grievously to irritate her. This is, is full-on jealousy. Uh, bullying fueled by jealousy and dislike. And when I go into school sometimes, I do an assembly on Hannah and Peninnah because it helps get the children thinking about the impact of words and actions. Well, we don't know what was said exactly, but you can imagine some of the things that Peninnah said to really just to get in there, just to really provoke Hannah. Oh, Hannah, please could you keep an eye on my children? I've got so many, it's hard to keep an eye on them all. Or, Hannah, please could you help a moment? It's not like you've got anything else to be doing. Or maybe she said, sorry about all the noise, Hannah. Sorry about all the children. At least you can have a bit of peace and quiet sometimes. In God's promises to his people, one of the things he promised was blessings, and those blessings were children. It was a way of God demonstrating his love and blessing on them. And you, you can imagine uh, Peninnah, she, she knows that the Lord has closed Hannah's womb. And you can imagine her saying, I, I don't know what you've done, Hannah, but it must be pretty bad for the Lord to withhold his blessing from you. And this, this bullying and this provoking went on year after year. And it grinds Hannah down. And maybe some of you know that feeling. You know, if someone bullies you once, or if someone criticises you once or twice, it's tough to take. It's not easy. But most people can deal with it. You sort of, you bounce back. But when someone does it week after week, or month after month, or in Hannah's case, every year, it grinds her down, it wears her down, and she gets very low. Now, Hannah does have a husband who loves her, loves her very much. But sadly, like some husbands, it's not always the most understanding. Verse 8, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Well, he's trying to help, but he's not really doing much for Hannah. He doesn't really understand her grief. Hannah's pain is more than she can bear. And you see that because she can't eat. She's distressed. She wept and she would not eat. She doesn't fight back against Peninnah. Nor does she curl up in despair. What does she do? She prays. Hannah prays from the depths verse 9 and 10, 1 Samuel 1. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Hannah really is in the depths here. It says, it describes for us, she's deeply distressed. 
It says she's weeping bitterly. Verse 11, it says she's suffering affliction. Verse 15 says she's troubled in spirit. Verse 16 says she's in great anxiety and grief. The writer here wants us to be under no illusion that she is in serious distress. And then there is this surprise as Hannah makes this vow that if God gives her a son, that she will dedicate her son to God for the rest of his life. She asks for what she wants. She knows what she wants. But other than that, we don't know many of the the words she's saying. Her lips are moving, but there's no noise coming out of them. There's no sound. Verse 12 and 13 says, As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Which is not really in any mental state to pray clearly with her mind. But she can pray with her heart. And I know that some of you have experienced this. I expect many of you have experienced this. But I've had it sometimes where I've had calls from friends and and they've been in such distress and they've said, I need to pray but I just don't know how. But God can hear the prayer of your heart. God understands. It might not look much to other people. It might just be a bit of a a mess to you. Words just kind of fall out your mouth in no particular order and it's just a mess. But but to God it's, it's a beautiful prayer. Eli accuses her of being drunk. But, but to God it's beautiful because you see Hannah in her state, she understands her desperate need. She has a real sense of her need and she also has a real sense that God is the one who can help and that God is the one who wants to help. And, and that is what makes prayers beautiful to God. And so often, don't you find that we can, we can pray because we feel we should? We can pray out of that sense of duty. And however much we we know it in our heads, we know that praying more doesn't earn us favour with God and yet we so quickly don't we fall into that trap of just thinking, maybe if I pray we'll we'll have a bit more favour with God. But that's not how Hannah prays here. Hannah is, is so aware of her need and she's so aware that God is the one who cares and God is the one who can help And so she comes before God. Hannah explains to Eli, says, look, I'm not pouring out alcohol. I'm pouring out my spirit to the Lord. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favour in your eyes. And just notice the difference in Hannah now. Notice the difference. Then a woman went on her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. She goes away, she eats, and she's no longer sad. And what's made the difference? What's actually changed? Well, her circumstances are exactly the same. She's not pregnant yet. Her circumstances are the same, except that she has handed her burden over to God. That's the difference. The burden has been taken from her, and God has taken it on. Now, I don't expect that she went home cracking jokes, laughing along the way, but she was content. She was content. 
Now, my life experiences, I think it's fair to say, have been very different to Hannah's. Very different. But there have been times in my life where there have been real burdens. And times when, or situations when I've wanted to help, but I can't. I'm not powerful enough. Sometimes people have said to me, Mark, you're not the Messiah. (laughs) You can't do everything. Sometimes it's better to let other people help. And sometimes I've had to come before God and say, Father, I'm going to place this situation, this person, whatever it is, into your hands. And sometimes I actively acted out, almost handing it over to God. Because I know that it's so much better in his hands. And, And it doesn't solve the situation straight away, I can promise you that. Or generally it doesn't. But it's in the best hands. And honestly, I can look back over the last good number of years and I can confidently say that God does things much better than me. God does things much better than me. And Hannah, she's passed it over to God. And she experiences that peace of God which passes all understanding. And I won't go into details of the um, the next bit of the story. Uh, we had it read to us. Um, the Lord remembers Hannah through Elkanah. She has a baby boy. Uh, she called his name Samuel, and that's because she asked of him from the Lord. And it's not long before she's back in Shiloh where, uh, with Samuel, and she lends him back to God. The thing that she most wanted, she gives back to God. Hannah's request has been granted to her. Hannah's prayer has been answered. And and I'd love to say to you tonight, especially to those of you maybe who would love children and can't have them, I'd love to say, look, this is how you do it. This is what you pray. This is how you get it done. But tonight isn't about a sort of how to pray so you get what you want kind of workshop. That's not what, what this story is all about. That isn't the application. The application is something much better. Because... This is what Hannah does as she, as she reacts to what God has done. She points us to a better application. Well, how does she react? She prays. But this prayer is very different to the first one. Remarkable contrast to the first prayer. And as we start, sorry, we start to get a glimpse of why God did what he did for Hannah. And as we see the prayer and we see what God is doing through Hannah, we start to see how this wonderfully applies to us. And so her second prayer, Hannah prays from the heights. Hannah prays from the heights. Remember verse 8, Elkanah says to her, And why is your heart sad? But now in chapter 2, verse 1, My heart exalts in the Lord. My heart exalts in the Lord. She's Full of jubilation, she's elated. This is such a contrast to the first prayer. You can almost feel the energy bursting from it. And in fact, it's kind of, it's a prayer, but it's also a song. And you can sort of, you can feel the energy as she prays. And and this prayer is ordered, and it's clear. It's theologically rich. We get to to see about God. She takes what she knows from the, the Bible, or what she's got of it so far, And she applies it back to to her prayer. And it's even prophetic, and we'll see that at the end. 
You know, when, when our minds are clear, it's a good thing to, to, to use God's word and to read it and to, to pray it back to God and to praise God using the, the characteristics and the things we find out about God. Pray it back to God. Use the truths that we find in here. Praise him for how he's described. It's not about impressing others. It's not about being a Pharisee-type prayer. It's about filling our hearts and our minds with, with truth about God and praising God for it. Well, we haven't read Hannah's prayer yet. So we're going to do that now. Uh, so it shouldn't come up on the screen. I don't think it will. But if you have a Bible, if you've got an app, feel free to open it. Or if you find it would help you, maybe close your eyes and just try and take in as much of Hannah's prayer as you can. This is what she prays. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. This is 1 Samuel 2, just coming on to verse 2 if you're looking for it. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. So that's her prayer. And I can't say a huge amount about it tonight because of time, but I want to bring out a few things. She starts very personally. Do you notice that, how she started? She rejoices in what God has done for her. My heart... My strength, my mouth, I will rejoice. That's how she starts. But notice that it's not about her. She's lifting up God with those things. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. I will rejoice in your salvation. 
There is none holy like the Lord. God is holy, and that is good news for us. There is none besides you. No one is like God. He is unique. He is all-powerful. No one is like him. There is no rock like our God. God is the everlasting rock. He is our refuge. He is secure. He is a safe place. And she knows that God as well is the one that turns everything on its head. God has rescued her from a barren situation. And, and he's given her a life, and that life has transformed her life. And now she is fruitful. And as she sort of thinks about this, and as she reflects back over the scriptures that she has, she starts to think of other stories, and she realises that, that this is how God operates. God makes the strong become weak, and the weak become strong. The proud are brought low, and the humble are lifted up. The ones who are full become starving, but the hungry are satisfied. The dead are raised to life, and the living are judged. The poor are made rich. They're lifted up from the ashes to sit with princes. The barren are given children. And maybe as I read some of those things, you could think in your mind of uh, maybe characters or situations in the Bible where those things were true. And I've just got a bit of a, a challenge for you, if you want to take it up. And that is, either tonight or this week, to think about what uh, people or circumstances you know in the Bible that prove that some of these things are true. So get out this, um, this prayer. It's only ten verses long. Print it out, open your Bible, get it on your phone, whatever. And go through the prayer and think of different stories, different people, different circumstances that prove that what Hannah is praying here is true. That's my challenge. And this is how God's kingdom carries on in the New Testament. Some of you uh, may remember when we started Luke, Gospel of Luke, way back in the first lockdown, I think, or maybe just before, but it was about then. And uh, do you remember we talked about the upside-down kingdom, where, where Jesus comes and everything is flipped on its head. And you just can't miss it as you read through the Gospels. The poor become rich, the dead come to life. You get sinners welcomed into the, the kingdom of God. And that is good news for us. This upside-down kingdom is a beautiful thing. This is how God operates. It's a beautiful thing that Hannah's celebrating in her prayer. You know, Hannah's story as well, it, is, it certainly is a story about a woman in pain who, who God hears. It's absolutely about that. But it is also a small picture of a much bigger thing that, that God is going to do for his people. Hannah's barrenness is a, is a picture of Israel. Uh, Israel at the time was, it was a dark place. Spiritually, it was not in a good way. They're, they're just completely rejected uh, God's leadership. You remember that at the end of Judges, just before this, it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't sound too different to today, sadly. But, but they're just, they've rejected any sort of leadership. 
and they just did whatever they want, and it was evil. And God is withholding blessing from them. It's as if the whole of Israel is like Hannah, barren. And, and Hannah doesn't really get this yet, because she can't see into her future like we can. We can read on, we can see what happens. Hannah doesn't really get this yet, but what we know is that God is going to bless his people in the same sort of way that God blessed Hannah. The birth of Samuel was a, a huge point in uh, Israel's history. A huge point. It, this baby was going to grow up and was going to be a judge and going to be a prophet and, and he was going to lead people back to God. And, and they too, just like Hannah, do you remember she said, I, I've experienced your salvation. The people too would experience just a little of God's salvation. And that may get us thinking if we go forward even further, if we read even further, it may get us thinking about another miraculous birth where there was another baby born where this baby would lead people to God and whose mother pretty much copied Hannah's song. We see it at the start of Luke's Gospel. Mary. She gives thanks for a baby who goes on to lead people to God and to bring us the full salvation plan. Not just a taster, the full salvation plan. Well, also at the end of Hannah's prayer, what do we see? Well, Hannah also prophesied about a king in her prayer, years before the nation had a king. Years before the nation had a king. But somehow she knew that God was going to provide a king soon. A king after his own heart. King David. The youngest brother, the runt, who was going to be the king. The shepherd boy, who was going to defeat the great warrior champion. The one who's exalted before all the people. The one who triumphs over his enemies. God rescues his people and provides a great king for them. If you look at it, that's what Hannah's prayer says. That's what will happen. That's what this king will do. And, and it happens in David. David is, is the anointed king. But as God willing we'll see in this series, David has major flaws. He fails miserably. And it, it leaves us longing for another king. It leaves us longing for someone better. It leaves us longing for another one who is anointed. And of course, what, what's the other word for anointed? Christ. Christ. Christ the King, who will come in weakness, and who will crush his enemies, and who will demonstrate the power of God in, in destroying enemies and providing the world with salvation, not just for one woman, but for everyone who trusts in him. Did Hannah understand everything her prayer pointed to? It's unlikely. She probably had bits of understanding. But her prayer focuses on God. It focuses on his character. 
his plan, and what she knows about him. And, and as we look at other prayers over the next few weeks, God willing, I hope that, that we'll see more of God, that we'll see more of his plans, and that, that our prayers too will be enriched by, by what we find out about God. And as we see his wonderful plans in action, coming together as they're pieced together, I pray that that will fill us with praise. And Hannah's, Hannah's prayers are good news because, yes, in one sense it's about the time then, but really it points us to Jesus. It points us to God's wonderful salvation plan. And that is relevant to every single one of us. It is good news for us. And my, my hope is that each and every one of us here this evening, and those of you online as well, may be able to sing what Hannah sings at the start of her prayer song. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And Lord, we thank you that you are the God who cares about and hears uh, a woman in distress. Lord, you listen to her and Lord, you use her for your great plan. And we thank you for how we get Samuel and then as Samuel brings us to David and Lord we see your plans coming together and it is wonderful but Lord we thank you that it points us ultimately to Jesus and the salvation he brings and that just as Hannah could rejoice and say I've tasted his salvation Lord that's what we can do Lord we have tasted the salvation of God Lord I pray that we would know that in our hearts and that it would fill us with praise for you. Lord, you are good. Lord, may what we've heard tonight impact our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a song obviously written a long time after Hannah, but it's a song that I think Hannah could have sung. All the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? who through life has been my guide. Let's sing.
going to finish by reading Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Amen.